0: continue to work through exodus together super excited to do it amazed that we get to open up this incredible bible this book of life and to talk through together the wonder of what's going on that it might hit our hearts that we might worship and be even more amazed than ever at at christ and i i don't know you we walked so far it's been an amazing story through through plagues, and through God delivering his people through the sea. And last week, they sang, and they sang this amazing song of deliverance. And, and they saw, in visceral ways that we sometimes haven't, God for them, working for them. I think it would be natural, don't you? That they would see these amazing things God did, and think, we'd better, we, we better respond to him rightly. I mean, this God just swallowed up the entire Egyptian army. This God, like an angel of death, went overhead and killed the firstborn of every Egyptian. We better keep it together. And, and that thought, I think, that idea, I mean, it, it gets into us too. I, at least I think it does. I mean, the cross. Wow. God died for me. Heaven, you know, heaven's coming. That's the future. Double wow. <laughs> Jesus went to prepare a place for me. I think, wow, I, I, you know, I want that to inform my now, you know. So you have this, almost this this solid rock at the beginning in the past. You've got this solid rock that's coming in the future. And now we draw the rope in between the two. And I want that to be a firm rope that I can hold on to and that's strong. So I... I I must be faithful. I will be faithful. And then kind of life intervenes. I don't know. Does your life ever intervene? Uh, what I mean is, you know, they stresses and brokenness and things aren't going quite like I hoped, and and, and I, I just I'm I'm not I'm not totally sure God's for me. Maybe I haven't done it right and and I start to feel that. I start to feel, I, I, I'm looking then for things, good things, that I'm going to help myself remember that I need to keep doing right. Which is, you know, verses on my mirror in my bathroom, or or getting up early and reading my Bible, or or, or, or doing a study of something. There's got to be some good Christian book I can do so that I can stay faithful. Because that becomes like my thing to say, I, I'm good stuff, right? But. But maybe, just maybe, the message of the Bible isn't done. Maybe it continues to speak to my existence here even after the Red Sea happens, even after those things. And, 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 and Exodus isn't over. We're just kind of in the middle. We're, we're headed towards the end, but it's kind of a long book. And it continues to speak to us about life, about who you are, about where your hope is and about of a savior who knows that we fall down all the time of a greater than moses because we are like these people I, I called this people like us this morning because we are like them in some really important ways and one of the ways is we don't quite do it right what does that look like, and how does it mean? And, and, and so I want to show you that. I want to show you with, with a pretty big portion here. It all goes together. It's three stories. It's a story about water, a story about food, and a story about water again. And they all kind of go together. They're, they're Sunday school stories. But I just want to walk through them pretty quickly with you to show you the wonder of Christ for you, what it really means. Okay, so we're going to start with three days in. And by three days in, I mean, okay, they went through the Red Sea, they sang by the shore, and then they started off headed to the Promised Land. And on the way, so they're on the journey, three days in. That's where we pick it up this morning in verse 22, chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles and want to watch, follow along, chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, so they've had enough, <laughs> you know, they've had enough of water. They're sitting there looking at the, you know, the water that covered everything that, that basically took out this, this army and death and drowning, the world's swimming in it. God's done his incredible miracles. The plagues are on the Egyptians. It's even killing their firstborn. The whole Egyptian army is dead. And finally, here they go, they're going to head out. So they go off to the promised land, into the wilderness. The wilderness of Shur. So they went three days into the wilderness and they found no water. (laughs) Oh, bummer. When they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. And therefore it was named Marah. Say, "Uh uh-oh, Marah. Marah means bitter. That's what they're trying to say there with the language. You can't drink that water, the water they found, because it's bitter water. a minute people are saying what's going on god saved us out of the red sea we have salvation he did it it was an amazing gift he took the world and he killed it for us and now we're headed out and we're three days in and we haven't had a drink and i don't mean the spirit's kind i mean water right so so it says and the people grumbled against moses saying what shall we drink Moses, we're thirsty. So so this is, this is a really common state for a lot of people, including me, right? God does this miraculous thing. And I know, I know we're going somewhere fantastic. But what about now? Did you think through this? Like, you know, camelback hydration pack, something? Life straws? So here's Moses. And Moses cried, to Yahweh and Yahweh showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet <laughs> well it's kind of weird but okay I mean God miraculously turned this bitter water into sweet water and and, and they drank and so God took care of them at, uh, almost like this offhand thing it's like oh 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 yeah, go take a log and just throw it in the water by the way that doesn't just work You guys have like water that's not working very well, just taking a random piece of wood and throwing it in is not really the thing to do. But God's just like, oh yeah, go ahead. Doom boom pa water. Of course I have water for them. God took care of them, right? But he's testing them and it's showing who they are. This common state of is God really for me is tied to right now, not in what God did for me in the past, not in what he will do for me in the future. But what's what about now? the opposite of faith right why do i say that god's testing them because look what god did god made a rule yahweh did and he tested them the text says i'm going to test you saying if you will diligently listen to the voice of yahweh your god and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh, your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there by the water. Oh, yeah, by the way, here's, here's an abundance of water again. So, this whole little excursion to go out three days and, and see and get bitter water that they couldn't drink is, is so God saying, I'm going to test you. I'm going to check you out. I want, I, I want what you are to be visible. If you listen, if you do what's right, and you do my commands, then I won't treat you like the Egyptians. That, that actually sounds kind of reasonable to me. Does it sound reasonable to you? God says, hey, if you keep it together, if you obey me, if you listen to me, then I'll make sure that you, everything goes okay. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like a Transaction. If you do this, I will do that. I think like that about God all the time. And here's God actually doing it with these people. That this is what I thought growing up. I don't know about you. God, I will follow you. Just make today go well. Make the test go well. Get me a job. Help my car not break down. I will serve you and usually it would go well and, and, and then I'd fall down or I wouldn't do, I, I don't follow the 10 commandments like I should or I wouldn't do all the things that I should do for God but I would say, sorry, God, please forgive me. I'll try again. Would you please make this go okay for me? I, I want to walk in what I'll call Moses theology. Old Testament Israel Theology. So it's a transaction, it's set up by God, but set up by God for a purpose, to test them. Can they do this? And here's the test, right? If you be good, I'll bless you. I, here's the rule. If you listen to me and do what I say, I'll be your healer, not your killer. And, and, and what's, here's, how'd they do? Well, that's the water, Right? Notice, God isn't complaining that they were sad. God isn't saying, oh man, how can you guys be so, so dumb not to, not, not to realize I was going to provide for you? How can you even think that? No, he just gave them water. He said, hey, let it be shown. Let this be a test. So that's, that's round one. That's the water. It doesn't end. Let's move forward a month. So that three days, they did this. A month in. Now we're a month in. 30 days. Or so. Chapter sixteen. So they set out from Elim. All the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. I love that. <laughs> the wilderness of Sin. I don't think it actually it, the sin is the area, <laughs> but it sure sounds like. Yep, sin is what happens in the wilderness, <laughs> which is between Elim and Sinai on the fifteenth day of the second month after they'd departed from the land of Egypt. So maybe they're forty-five days in their month and a half. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And they said to them, would that we had died by the hand of Yahweh in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Boy, that sounds kind of familiar. It sounds like what they just did with the water. Yeah, yeah, that's why God did this. He saved you from the people of Egypt. He said he would be your people. He's gone before you. By the way, right now, God is going before them with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. They can look and see, oh, we're supposed to go, there's God, i we're gonna follow that. That's where we're going. But the accusation is, God wants to kill me. Because he's not giving me food. One commentator I loved it said, only the most calloused heart or stupid mind could conceive of such a ridiculous charge. They really have no trust in God. I mean, can you imagine? They've seen the miracles, and and, and here they go. And the only more surprising thing than the denseness of thinking that God's not going to take care of you after he actually took you out of Egypt, it's fine to say, man... We're getting kind of hungry. Does God have something for us? But what they're doing is grumbling against Moses. You guys don't know what you're doing. We're hungry. The only thing more surprising is God's amazing grace on them. Because he doesn't get mad. He doesn't send a plague. That'll happen later. Keep it up. But look what God does. So God says to Moses, Yahweh. Says to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may, there's this word again, test them. Whether they will walk in my law or not. Well, that's interesting. Interesting. God doesn't say, oh, I'm so mad at them. No, he says, hey, 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 I want to reveal who they are. I'm going to just bless them. Here comes, it's going to rain bread from heaven. So on the sixth day, When they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. And so Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was Yahweh who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of Yahweh, because he's heard your grumbling against Yahweh. For what are we that you're grumbling against us? You're not really grumbling against us, Moses and Aaron say. You're grumbling against God. And will you see what he will do? Because God's like this. He's amazing. So Moses says, when the the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because Yahweh has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. You're not mad at us. You're mad at God. God provides. We want you to see it. We want you to be full. Right? That's the word of Moses to them. So then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before Yahweh, for he has heard your grumbling. Come, come. He knows you're sad. He knows you're hungry. Come, come before him. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of Yahweh appeared in the cloud. So they had this cloud, and somehow it started to light up or... Some amazing things started to happen. And before their eyes, they can see it. And the glory of the Lord appeared there. And Yahweh said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And then you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God. I will provide for you, says God to them. Radical, amazing, cool, awesome. And so in the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. Quail. And in the morning, dew around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness, like a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. Wow. When the people of Israel, they saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. And literally, what is it? It's manna. The people of Israel said, manna, what is it? And Moses said to them, it is the bread that Yahweh has given you to eat. This is the what the Lord has commanded, gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take, each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you had in his tent. And so they did, and, and the people of Israel did it. They gathered some more and some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whichever gathered much had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. This is, again, miraculous stuff going on. Okay, it's a miracle that God's people say, hey, I just don't know you. God, you want to kill us. And so God says, No, I don't want to kill you. I will provide for you. And He provides us amazing food. Quail? I've actually never had quail, but people tell me it's pretty good. And then, and, and then this tastes like honey stuff that's never been done before. God just created for them. That's amazing. And the most amazing thing is you would go say, okay, go gather it. It just pick it up off the ground and collect it and you get an omer. It's, a, say it's We don't know exactly how big it was, but say it's a couple quarts or whatever. But if you gathered and gathered and gathered because you were like, oh, I just want lots of this. You ended up with an omer. And if you didn't, if you just gathered a little and you, you still ended up with a omer. Says something about our effort, huh? See, God's going to provide more for people who work a lot harder and God's not going to provide more because, because God, no, actually, God, this is about God's miraculous provision for everyone. They didn't deserve any of it. And so there they are. God's like, oh, here, let me just provide for you. Oh, fabulous. And then verse 19, Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over until the morning. But they, they, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa what, what were they supposed to do? You're supposed to gather what you could eat and you're supposed to eat it. You're not supposed to squirrel it away. You're not supposed to invest it so that you have more for you know, tomorrow night. You're not supposed to plant it. You're not supposed to do anything else to hoard it. You're supposed to eat it. And it says, it says there, as Moses said, no one leave any of it, but they didn't listen to Moses. Some left part of it until the morning because who knows if God will really provide tomorrow. I better keep some for tomorrow. And that, it said, It bred worms. And it stank. Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. So it would be there and God provided for them and they ate, but it was only enough for that meal. And then they couldn't go like, oh, well, I'm just gonna make it enough for the next three weeks so that I don't have to go out and gather anymore. I don't have to trust. I don't have to trust that God will provide for me. And so it would melt every day. And they couldn't even keep any more because God's seeing and testing them, right? What are they doing? It says, On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, this manna, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses... He said to them, "This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to Yahweh. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over, lay aside to be kept to the morning." Wait, you can't do that. It gets worms. You guys, you see what he's doing? It's like, "Okay, I collect in the morning, and then it melts so that I have to have just enough for each day. And then God says, well, on the sixth day, gather two portions and bake what you want to, and then keep the rest for the next day. I know what's going to happen the next day. I've got a brain. What's going to happen? Worms. How do I know? Happened every other day. I'll tell you what gets in the way of the Lord a lot. is our logic, right? <laughs> yeah. Because here's the Sabbath that God is saying, I care about. And so he's instituting it. And he's sending the man of the six days and not the seventh. And he's saying, keep it for the next. And he's saying these things. And so it works, right? So they laid aside till the morning and Moses commanded them. And it did not stink. And there were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today. For today is a Sabbath to Yahweh. And today you will not find it in the field. So it says six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. So God institutes the Sabbath practically with them. He doesn't provide manna on that day. He makes the manna of the day before last twice as long, and they just follow along because God's doing it. You see how this is kind of a lesson in trust, right? Is God really going to make this day, it's not going to get any worms, but on the two days ago, if I would have saved it, there would have been worms. So on the seventh day, all the people just rested, and they, they, oh, no, wait. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather. Hey, why not get some more? But they found none. And Yahweh said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Whoa. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each one of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So this is the institution of the Sabbath. And they had to be trained. They didn't get it. They didn't trust God. They did they're testing God themselves, right? Not realizing this is all a test. So on, on, on verse 31, now the house of Israel call, called its name manna. It was like coriander seed. White. The taste of it was like the wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what Yahweh has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, So take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before Yahweh to be kept throughout your generations. And as Yahweh commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. And the people of Israel ate the manna for 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is the 10th part of an ephah. Yeah, even they didn't, lost the time exactly how big it was. So this is the testimony, right? Is that God did this and he did it every single day, six days a week for 40 years. And Food appeared on the ground for them every day. What an amazing testimony. God did it. He didn't just save his people out of Egypt. He provided for them full stop, right? I mean, that that just preaches for us. (laughs) What's the problem with this for you and I today? I mean, I could tell you. I could say, you know, God provides for you. God is so amazing in that he provides for every one of us. I'm sitting here alive today because God has provided for me. What's the problem? Here's a problem. I don't know if it's the problem. I picked up no manna this morning. Did you? Well, I mean, I made French toast. No, that's not manna. (laughs) I don't go outside and just pick up off the ground manna that God's provided for me and eat every day. I'm not a part of this miracle. I don't don't understand. I mean, God did it. He saved his people. That's a testimony. I get the picture. But our problem is we're not receiving manna. And the next problem is is that the the text itself here says this was something particular. What did they call it? A test. This is a test. A test. And its spotlight then isn't on God who provides because God provided amazingly and he still does and he provides to you. The spotlight is on you and me, human beings. Do you know what we don't do? Pass tests. I'm sorry. I know most of you pass a driving test to drive. I'm not talking about that kind of test. I'm talking about God's tests. God that looks at you and says, how are you doing? And the answer is, if you say fabulous, God, let me into your heaven. You're not a Christian. Because Jesus saves who? Sinners. What are sinners? Failures of tests. I'm a test failure. Man, I hate saying that because I love passing tests. I love multiple choice tests. I love filling the blank test. You give me a test, I want to do it. But I'll tell you what the Bible says they, this was a test. And did they pay? No, they didn't trust God. They had people going out on Sunday to get more. They had people hoarding. They had people not trusting. They had, over and over, they're saying, God, you came to kill us. The God who had just delivered them from the very bondage of slavery. Well, I'd never do that. Oh, yeah? Really? You trust God that way? Do you ever, you ever read, you know, I don't know, let's just pick Matthew 7. Like, consider the birds of the air. Man, they can't even add a single cubit to their measure. So they just don't worry at all. Anybody here never worry? You know, worry does nothing for you. You know, Philippians 4 says, be anxious for everything. Oh no, whoops, <laughs> wrong translation, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> anxious for nothing and yet i am i worry i do stuff i i, I fail the test you know I, I says man and i start thinking i don't remember god's going to provide for me i don't think he is for me all the time i think he's for me if i keep it together and, and said well i so i'm kind of in this little in this little scenario I, I i said wow well if i'll just keep it together god will bless me and then that quickly morphs to if i keep it enough together god will bless me have you heard of the umbrella of protection it's a nice little umbrella. If you stay in the little umbrella, then God's going to be kind to you. But if you step outside the umbrella, then God's going to get you. And it's all your fault. Is that how we live? That's, a, that's the implication of this. It's like they're tested and they're kind of shown that they're not doing it quite right. Just to hammer at home, there's one more. we talked about water, and then they talked about here that God provided for them, and they're still not really trusting God, but there's even one more, right it, it's an unsettled issue. It keeps going on. Let me show you first just a couple verses of chapter seventeen. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of Yahweh, and camped at rephidim but there was no water for the people to drink. Bummer, here it comes again. I've heard this story, but now, but now we have the, the the wonder of God providing for them every single day, and they're waking up to bread, and they're they're going to bed with meat, and they, they, man, they're fed by God miraculously, and then so it's fantastic, and and so I expect they'll do much much better. So therefore, the people quarreled with Moses. And said, give us water to drink. Quarrelled is even stronger than grumbled. Now they're kind of angry at Moses. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test Yahweh? But they thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled now against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? so God provided water they were fine they were hungry God provided food every single day and they're fine and but but it didn't stop their grumbling because they need again they need more and that God hasn't given them to them exactly what they want what they think they need in the time that they want it but that that's what they're doing right so they're they're mad and and so they are and so Moses cried to the Lord what shall I do with this people they're almost ready to stone me Notice the changes first is kind of Moses' cry. It's not, what shall I do? The people need food. They need water. It's, what shall I do? They're going to kill me. (laughs) It's not reasonable what they're doing. So, Yahweh said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of all the elders of Israel. There's is a classic passage. You should know it. So, so so here it is. God didn't say, well, tell him I'll provide for them. He didn't say, well, tell him not to grumble. He didn't say, well, tell him to be better. He said, you go take your staff and you walk over to the rock. Right? And there Moses, verse 7, called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel because they tested Yahweh by saying, is the Lord among us or not? And what he did was strike the rock. So God's leading them, a pillar of fire, a Glory of God providing every day in front of their face. And, and, and it's, it's, it's now been flipped. And, and now it's phrased as they're testing God. Will he really provide for me still? But, he, but he's already proved that he will. He already is doing it every day. He's already promised the future. It's all there for them. And they continue to test God. And you know what I say to them? Urgh! That's not right. They shouldn't do that. It's not going to end well. I, I, I'm, I'm, and then, and then God is being too merciful to them because what does He do? He says, "Go strike the rock, and water comes out, and they they drink. They're fine." This is the image of God's people in the Old Testament. Is it not? Am I wrong? This image of the people of Israel, they test God. They don't rely on God, trust God, lean on God, rest in God. They're quarreling and fighting and grumbling, and they're not getting enough, and the life is too tough, and the, their journey isn't nice enough, and there isn't enough water. There's not enough food. They're going to get bread of man, and they don't like the water r- r- rations. You know, They're, they're going to start saying to God, give us some different kind of food than this special, amazing food you created just for us. I don't like it. I'd rather have spaghetti. Who wouldn't, right? Spaghetti's awesome. Why? I mean, this is really for us today. uh, Who do they think they are? They're rescued slaves from Egypt. They have God's presence. He's their God. who's done miracles for them. So there's this this feeling. There's this feeling I start to get. I don't know if you do. God should spit them out. God should get somebody better. God should get people who follow him better. Maybe I could take their place. I'll follow God better than that. I'll do it. And, and even as you start really thinking on that, you got to think, well, there's a, well, you know what these guys are? They're representative people. They're picture people, people like us. Entitlement grows like weeds. Discontentment undermines the sweetest, sweetest temperament disparate treatment grows bitterness. God blesses some people and not others. He gives some people more than others. And immediately I want fairness for me, which just means I want more. You're like this. I'm like this. God blesses people and, 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 and lets people flourish and grow. And I think I don't get enough. And, and governments, they use this kind of stuff to split people. We could talk about that, but it's not hitting the problem. The problem is actually us. In our hearts, and there's this unsettled issue, the unsettled issue is this, you fail the test. God comes and says, I bless you, and look at my great blessings and giftedness I give you, and it's so amazing and good, and you have it today, and you have the cross, and you have everything, and then at the same time, we fail, and it's like we're continually like, God's not really good enough for me. And you can tell me you're not one of those people and you really do think God does just every day. You just glow with unsuppressed gratitude and joy. I want to be around you. Oh, non-existent person. Unsettled issue. I can't measure up. And the grace of God revealed right here in the Old Testament. particularly right here right here right here because god does have an answer right god does because because even even then i'm telling you this right so i'm telling you you don't measure up and you're like the people of israel in your heart we we do this with god i can't seem to get away with it and you know what happens next let me go one more little step and then we'll, we'll wrap it up one more little step is this is i start to be guilty about it i ought to not be this way and that's so true I ought to be joyful all the time. I ought to not be anxious. I ought to never worry about my kids. I ought to not worry about, about my job or about my car or about my health. I ought to never, God has me every single moment, of every single day, and I know it. And I know that's true. The Bible says that's true. It is so clear to me from Scripture, and so not me, that I start to feel guilty that I am that way. So I'm in this spiral of I ought to be not anxious, but I am anxious. And so I'm anxious that I'm anxious because I ought not to be anxious because if I wasn't anxious, then it would be better. And and then I would show that I was faithful to God, but now I'm showing that I'm not because I'm anxious. And if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't be anxious. So here I am anxious about my anxiety. I do. I get that way. I know lots of people who live that way. If it's not anxiety, it's something else. We get get sad about our sadness because we know that we ought not be this way. We've seen the test that God gives the people of Israel and we need to be like trusting him and we don't do it well. Oh no. Who will save me from this body of sin and death? That's why this silly story is here, you guys. It's not silly. It's amazing. It's just so unusual. What did God have Moses do for his people that were just radically not right? He said, you go take your staff, Moses, and you go strike the rock. You guys know it, right? I mean, you know, this is like one of the famous passages in the Bible. This is one of those passages. This is the one where, let me just pull it up, in 1 Corinthians 10, where it says they all drank from that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. You see it. You see the picture that Paul brings out, and he's bringing it out, and thinking of it. Hey, you guys, trust God. Don't, don't, don't not trust God. He's trustworthy. But let me tell you why he's trustworthy. Because in the midst of your failure, he says, strike Christ. And water comes out of what? Jesus He's our Savior, even our Savior for our failing of the test right? I mean, that's the whole idea here in Horeb. When the rock gets hit, the rock that gets struck is Christ. And Jesus, out of his side flows living water. And Jesus splashes it all over you, all over people who have like been faithful and made sure they're the right people. No, it's the people who haven't. It's the people who aren't good and who aren't, aren't faithful and who are questioning and who are throwing away things they shouldn't and valuing things they shouldn't and stumbling. But they get this right, they drink from the water. What water? The only water there is. The forgiveness of Jesus Christ for you. And here in the Old Testament, this little picture, right? It's just amazing. And it follows on in Romans, and I know I just said it, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, this body that can't seem to get it right, that can't seem to pass the test, that can't seem to basically do what God would say I I, I should do. And I agree with God that I should do. I agree that it's right and true, that I should trust him all the time. And I hate myself that I don't. And then I've got to come to this place of the water, coming from the side of Jesus that says this, there is therefore what, right? That's the next verse here. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the sweetest news we know. This is the answer to these horrible images of mankind that includes you and me is not let's replace them with better people. It's let's see how God brings the Savior through them. It's the Savior who's for us, and he's for you and me today. This is the sweet, amazing, wonderful picture that Jesus pours out for us when we don't deserve him, that God actually loves the leper, the dirty, the sinner, the wreck, the one who's not sweet and kind and holy, and the Christian doesn't do all they know they should, of course not. He makes us holy by his action. He sets us apart because we're his. So I speak this today to the guilty, not to the Reformed, not to those who think they're doing fantastic, and that's because God loves them, and they're responding appropriately. I say, no, please come with me. We're the grumblers. We shouldn't be. Please don't grumble. But know that the reality is the rock was struck for you. The number one idol for most of us is ourselves. We think we should be better than we are. We live these self-imposed lives of constant guilt because we're not better, we struggle. So would you let go of that today? Would you see that God is your provider and he loves you even when you grumble? The incredible wonder of God for us that when we fail the test, we need a savior and we have one. And you and I, you and I, we're not in Moses anymore. We are in Christ. Hallelujah. He's done it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for these stories that are in the Old Testament. Lord, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to walk into law again. To be better than these guys. Please forgive me, Lord. I know I'm not. Lord, forgive us. Help us to come again to the sweet water that you've provided for us in your son help us to drink help us our eyes to be open to the wonder of salvation full and free and lord i pray we would be free your holy spirit might use us to talk about you to declare you to this world that needs hope in your precious name we pray amen